Um, just out of interest, how many of you were at one of the festivals that we did? Uh, any of them? All right, great. How many of you weren't? And I'm not saying this to have a... Because that's it's the mainly youth festivals. Okay. Well, oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, for those of you who were there and those of you who weren't, um, it was our final summer events as Soul Survivor Ministries uh, after 27 years. And God was amazingly good to us. Uh, I, I, I still can't get over it. Uh, we did the same things we always do. Uh, but just, just the Lord, uh, just from beginning to end. I remember at the end of Soul Survivor Scotland, I, I said to the others, well, that went as well as we could ever have hoped. If the others go anything like this, we'll be, we'll be thrilled. And it, it just seemed to intensify uh, after that. Just the st- statistics we saw of over the five events, uh, 32,547 people turn up, uh, mainly teenagers, which is amazing, which is amazing. I know lots of youth groups that would come every other year. They all chose to come this year because it was the final year, so that boosted it a bit. Uh, but the best thing, the best thing was we saw... Um, 2,100 young people give and others give their lives to Jesus for the first time. And uh, that's just staggering. Um, And, uh, you know, of those, um, just hearing the stories, the number that came up to us and told us their stories, how some of them, they'd been dragged here by their friends and they came not believing anything and at the end they were just so happy they'd met Jesus. I met so many folk who became Christians at Soul Survivor in the 1990s and watched their kids become Christians um, uh, this summer. Uh, It was quite amazing, including some who'd been in my youth group uh, (laughs) at St. Andrew's Chorley Wood, which is really bizarre. And uh, um, we saw Jesus do the most amazing things. Uh, we saw a young lady um, who'd been in a wheelchair, hadn't been able to walk for five years. Uh, she got out of her wheelchair and she was walking around. And her parents were with her. And her parents were, were just delighted. They kept taking photos of her walking to show different relatives uh, that would never believe it otherwise. Uh, there was a lad um, who came up at the side uh, and, um, uh, and just was full of excitement with his friends. He'd been cutting himself and he had marks all down his arms just in the worship. Um, the, the, the marks, the scars all disappeared. And they were like, they're not here now, they're not here now. And the friends were saying, we know they were there, we saw them, we saw them. And there were so many, so many stories like that. But the most amazing was the intangible thing of uh, just God's presence. God's presence was, was there and sometimes overwhelmed us. There were times when uh, we thought, gosh, what are you going to do next, Lord? This is a holy place. And either he does it or he doesn't. Uh, but the one thing that we've learned is the more we wait, the more he does. The more we make space for him, the more he moves in power. And it's always the power of his love. And uh, um, I, I, can be, I can't help but read 
We've been reading all the, uh, all the comments on social media and in the Christian magazines. And it, it, to be honest, it feels a bit like being at your own funeral. You know, <laughs> it's really weird. It's like, we're still alive, you know, we're, <laughs> we're not dead yet. Um, uh, but it was like the obituaries. And, uh, um, and just, just finding out things that would, would never have known of what God has done over the years. And he has been very, very kind to us. And one of the things that um, uh, uh, folk, um, folk have said is that they've loved is how ordinary um, we have been <laughs> and how normal and how we would get things wrong and all of that. And yet God would move anyway. And if that's a tribute, I'm really glad because it's all of his grace. And we made lots of mistakes. Uh, we, we had lots of things we would rather have done differently. But Jesus more than makes up for it uh, when you make space for him. He loves his people. He loves his church. He loves his world. And, uh, and we just saw him do the most amazing things. So, uh, I can't believe this time last week we were still at the beginning of Soul Survivor Sea. Um, we, some of us are absolutely exhausted, but so relieved and very happy uh, with, with what Jesus has done. And there's memories that we will have. So, what happens now? Well, obviously, we retire. And uh, it's the end of that. We stop serving Jesus. Uh, I'm going to go to um, a tropical island. Uh, and yeah, I've, I've dreamt that. And then I've woken up. Um, no, we're not going anywhere. God has got more for us as a body of people. And he's got more opportunities for us to serve. And we are going to press in and we are going to press on. Um, because God told us to start the festivals and he told us to stop. And we believe with all our hearts that he's told us what the next phase is. And we're going to go together as a church family, as a family of families. And one of the things that we're going to focus on this year is to truly raise up leadership um, and equip folk in leadership and not just equip them, but make space. If we're to grow, uh, we've got to grow leaders. But we don't just want to grow leaders. We want to grow leaders that are open to the spirit, uh, that are willing to take risks, that understand the importance of family, that understand the importance of, 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 of serving in community, serving together. And uh, uh, we're going we're gonna to go on an exciting adventure. We're going we're gonna to rebuild this building and uh, next door. Um, it's all a little bit slower. It's so frustrating. Um, the architects have nearly finished the flipping plans. And maybe they finished. Have they all nearly finished? Almost finished. And then um, we're hoping by the, before the end of the year, uh, we can start on the work next door. Uh, but what we want to do is we want to make space for those who are not yet here. And we want to make space for serving the local community better. We want to make space for doing great, great, great children's and youth work. Uh, we want to make space uh, for serving other churches and Christian leaders and young people. Uh, we want to make space for what God wants to do. Uh, there's still some money that needs to come in, but so much has come in that uh, God has provided so far. He's not going to stop. Um, we still need a, a, a miracle, but we needed a miracle to start with, and we're on our way.
Uh, but it's not about the building. It's about uh, us as a people. And uh, I, I really believe that God is giving us an opportunity not to start yet another movement. Uh, the last thing the church needs is more movements. But to serve any and every movement. To serve where, wherever we're invited. Wherever uh, there's the people, people would like us to. And we're to serve local churches. And there's two areas. One, uh, we want to serve um, in helping churches actually do naturally supernatural ministry rather than believe in it. Uh, everyone believes in it now, nearly everyone, but not many actually do it. Um, and secondly, uh, we want to model and encourage church leaders to grow churches uh, on family principles as opposed to business principles. At the same time, uh, we're going to start planting churches. Uh, the bishop has agreed. Uh, in fact, the bishop is keen. And we're going to support church plants and send people out to plant churches uh, over the coming years. And uh, we want to do everything we can to do that well, to do that properly. There's a whole load of other things. Uh, God has not finished with us yet and we're not going to be finished until we see him face to face and we're going to go for it with all that we are and all that we have and we're going to go for it as a family together um, that's a little bit on the past and a little bit on the future but now I just want to share hopefully briefly famous last words on something that as the Lord's put on my heart for a number of for a number of years, really, as a key, if we're to see God move among us. And, uh, and I really want to talk about what I believe is the missing ingredient, if you like, in the life of the believer and the life of the local church, um, if we're to see God move in greater power in a sustainable way. And this isn't an easy one to talk about. Because I know there's loads of things that come and attack us. And we as a church, we've had, you know, just, just the illnesses has been heavy on us. Uh, but I believe with all my heart that one of the key missing ingredients is the gift of perseverance. The gift of plodding. The gift of keeping going. And perseverance, it's not glamorous. It's not sexy. Um, it, it's, it's totally necessary. It's the gift of keeping going. It's the gift of plodding. I have noticed over the years that there are some incredibly gifted people that I end up so disappointed. They were so gifted, but they ended up not achieving their potential. And then there are other people who aren't so gifted, maybe who you don't, you wouldn't spot at the beginning. After a while, after years, you see them, you see them flying, you see them changing their world, you see them, see great things happening with them. And the difference is so often perseverance, the gift of keeping going. Our culture is a culture that gives up. Uh, the problem in our culture is uh, people give up, they move on. The number of times people change jobs when the going gets a little bit tough. Uh, the, the number of times people change relationships when the going gets a little bit tough. The number of times Christians change churches when the going gets a little bit tough. 
Uh, when the going gets tough, people get discouraged and leave or quit. And it's the same in the Christian life as in the world at large. And uh, I, I've been wondering how men, why that is, why in today's generation we just don't know how to keep going. And I wonder if part of it is uh, the, way, the way we're brought up these days, the way we bring children up. And, you know, we want to bring them up with bags of love. And who wants to set kids up to fail? But do you know what? In our culture, uh, kids are shielded from failure. Everybody gets surprised. Everybody wins. Everybody succeeds. And actually, that's not how life is. And when, when the kids who are, uh, have never tasted failure, never come second, never, n- never gone through the, the experience, when they get to 18 and they, and they end up, um, I, I, I go to Cambridge um, almost once a term to speak at a church there that is full of Cambridge University students. They've got two to three hundred Cambridge University students there. And all the time, I meet these top students who are brilliant, who are so gifted, who are on the verge of breakdowns, who are struggling with deep anxiety, because for the first time in their lives, they're in a place where they're not automatically the best, where they're not automatically the cleverest, the brightest. They won't come, they won't come first, and they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to cope with it. And so they often start to fall apart. And we can help where that happens. And the gospel is for them. And lots of us struggle with stuff like that. And I'm not saying if we struggle, it's our fault. I'm saying there is a way around, but it's so much easier to to do preventative work at the beginning than, than afterwards. We need to learn how to handle failure. Failure doesn't kill you. I should know. It really doesn't. You can get, when, you've, when, you've, when you have faced the deepest failure and you've come out the other end, you suddenly realize it's not as awful as I thought it was. Um, too many people in Christian ministry and in secular employment give up too soon. Most of those who succeed have stickability. And if you look just in the secular world at those who have succeeded, they're, they're usually ones who have, who have in, incredible stickability, the ability to keep going. Just a few. J.K. Rowling. You know, she's now one of the richest human beings on the planet, certainly probably the richest author. And uh, her books have sold, they're still the bestsellers. But do you know, before Harry Potter took off, she had failure after failure after failure. She was a single mum. Her manuscripts kept getting returned uh, and rejected. And she didn't know how she was going to cope looking after her kids. But she didn't give up. She kept going. And uh, look at the story now. Um, There's... Winston Churchill, our wartime prime minister. If you read the biographies of him, he failed and failed and failed and was rejected and rejected and rejected before his time came. And he just didn't know how to give up. 
And uh, there's some lovely quotes from him. He says, victory is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And there is a courage to continue in the face of failure. A courage to get up again. Um, Another Winston Churchill quote, success is going from failure to failure without any loss of enthusiasm. I love that. Success is going from failure to failure without any loss of enthusiasm. It means I'm going to get up and I'm going to go for it again. Michael Jordan, the famous basketball player, um, he was regarded as the best. uh, And uh, he said, I failed over and over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. Because he missed it so many times, but he didn't give up. Uh, Winston Churchill, um, another classic, and forgive me, some of you aren't going to like this, but Sir Alex Ferguson, greatest ever British football manager probably in the world. His, his, great, his great strength was he didn't know how to give up and he instilled that in his team. And some of us were mourning since the day he resigned because it's all gone horribly, horribly wrong and doesn't seem to be getting any writer. But do you know what he instilled in his team? Uh, the willingness to keep going to the very end. They used to have a saying about, uh, they called it Fergie time. Uh, the, the time added on for injuries. And there was this semi-myth that he so intimidated referees that they added extra minutes Uh, onto the game if United were losing but the statistics of United getting the final goal or equalizing in the last few moments of a match are incredible and that is down so much more than to intimidating some referees it has to be down to the whole team didn't know how to give up in our present day how could I not mention And some of you may want to bow your heads at this point. Ben Stokes. Am I the only cricket fan in this place? Am I the only cricket fan? This guy single-handedly defeated England's greatest enemy, Australia, just last week. And uh, it, it was unbelievable. We should have lost... But again, he kept going. And you see this in the secular world. The heroes are those who keep going. But also in the, in the church, in the Christian world. Uh, William Carey, um, who founded the modern missionary movement, uh, went to India and started translating the Bible into various Indian dialects. And, and there came... Thousands and thousands of missionaries followed him. Uh, if you go to theological colleges, the, the mission department is usually called the Carey Wing after him. Did you know that before he succeeded, he failed dramatically at everything? He, um, uh, he became a Baptist minister and in his first job in a Baptist church, after I think it was a year and a half, they sacked him. Because his sermons were so dull, there was hardly anyone left in the church. That doesn't, you don't expect someone like that to end up uh, being famous hundreds of years later. 
um, uh, his marriage was a disaster. His, his wife ended up in an asylum. Um, uh, uh, two of his ch- children died in the plague. He caught a disease uh, that meant all his hair permanently fell out. And he was allergic to direct sunlight. And he ended up in India. He ended up in India. And uh, he was rejected by the missionary societies when he went. When they saw his CV, when they saw what he'd done, they were like, no way are we taking you. But he didn't give up and he went. He found a way to go. And do you know, at the end of his life, when he knew he was dying, and he knew that people were waiting for him to die to write his biography, um, he said to his son-in-law, Uh, who was one of those who was going to write his biography. He said to his son-in-law, if after I die, anyone should want to write my story and say, what was Mr. Carey's greatest gift? I would that they would say, Mr. Carey's greatest gift is that he was a plodder. Is that he was a plodder. And that was the truth. Failure upon failure upon failure but he kept getting up again. Jackie Pullinger, when she went to Hong Kong on a one-way ticket as, as little more than a teenager, and she spent the first couple of years uh, in the walled city with the triads, with the gangsters, failure upon failure upon failure, but she didn't give up, and she's still there now, I think in her 80s. She's still there now serving. She's still there now. David Wilkerson, from years ago, the story of the cross and the switchblade. You know, he went to inner city New York to where the gangs were. Failure after failure after failure. But God's love compelled him. He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't leave. And then Nicky Cruz, the gang leader, came to the Lord. And from then, many others did. And David Wilkerson served faithfully, served faithfully in New York for years. John Wimber, not many realize this, but uh, we've learned so much from him about praying for healing. But do you know, for the first nine months that they prayed for healing in their church, no one got well. He preached on it, apparently, every Sunday night on a different story of Jesus healing someone. He preached on it, then he invited people forward to get prayer for healing. And for nine months, no one got healed. In fact, he says, people got sick praying for the sick. Um, he, he said, we caught their germs and diseases. And he said, but you know what? He, 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 he said to the Lord, Lord, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this. I preach your word, but you don't back it up. I can't do this anymore. And, and he felt the Lord say to him, uh, preach my word, not your experience, John. Preach my word until your experience matches my word. And that's a key, a key to, to, to faithfulness. It's trusting. It's trusting in the long haul. And you see that with so many biblical characters. Joseph stayed faithful in 13 years of hell. And then he went from the pit to the palace. 
But it wouldn't have happened if, he'd have stayed, if he hadn't have stayed faithful in 13 years of hell. I wonder if sometimes the way we present the gospel might have something to do with it. Come to Jesus and he will meet all your needs. Come to Jesus and he will do everything for you. Come to Jesus and he will make every, you'll never have a problem again. Well, if we preach like that, we're going to have some very disappointed Christians on our hands. You know, it's come to Jesus and he will be with you in the good times and the tough times. He will be there. He will not leave you alone. He will not abandon you. He will be faithful even when you are faithless. There's a, 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 a scripture I adore. It's in James 1 verse 2. And it goes like this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That says it all. That's a crazy verse. Uh, Consider it pure joy, my dear brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. That does not compute. You know, oh, my cat's just been run over. Oh, joy, oh, bliss. You know, my relative's ill. Oh, happiness. No, that doesn't make sense until you understand that God is at work. He doesn't cause the pain, but he's at work always in it. He's always redeeming it. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Why perseverance? This is why. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. His desire for you is that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Because God is the perfect parent. He will not shield you from every failure. He will not shield you from every pain. Because he wants us to grow up. He wants us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I know there's questions about some of that. I know there's, there's things we don't completely understand. But we need, even in the not understanding, to embrace, to embrace him and to find him in the midst of pain. How do we grow in perseverance? I'm going to say this really quick. Here's some scriptures from Hebrews. Hebrews 10.36. The writer says, You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. What does that mean? That means there's a prize. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. I don't know many people who will train hard for a race, for an exam, for a contest, for a competition, if there isn't a prize. I don't know many people who will give themselves for, you know what, I'm just going to do it for the fun of it. When we know there's a prize, what is the prize? The prize is we see him face to face. <clears throat> Hebrews 11:27. He, Moses, he's talking about 
persevered because he saw him who is invisible. When you see him who is invisible, when we come close to him, when we see, when we catch a glimpse of glory, that's another reason why being filled with the Spirit is so important. It's when we're filled with the Spirit, when we're filled with love for him, when we catch a glimpse of glory, it, it, gives, us, it gives us confidence to keep going. Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2. And let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He saw the joy set before him. He saw the joy and he endured the cross. And you know, I know it sounds crazy, but I think joy really helps us to keep going. And joy is something that we receive. One of the things that I noticed this summer is even when we were praying for some terrible situations, even we, when we were praying for folk who were broken, when the Spirit came, and it, do you know, it happened at every single event. And I promise you, we did not auto-suggest. People started laughing. There was eruptions of joy at every single event. And it was like, what is going on? And just at the first one, I was a little bit irritated because I was like, oh gosh, gosh, this is, why are they laughing? This is serious stuff. This is people who are broken. And then I noticed it was the people who were broken. As the spirit came on them, they started to laugh. And, And there's Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 10 says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And the joy of the Lord really is our strength. And we can find joy in the midst of sorrow. We can find life in the midst of brokenness. And and there's a joy that comes that keeps us going, that helps us to persevere, that means we do not give up. Joy is a part of it. And then also, and I'm not very good at this, but I'm trying to learn. It's about learning to rest and to rest in him. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. They've just done some amazing miracles. It's been a very busy time. Listen to what Jesus says to the disciples. Come with me to a quiet place by yourselves and get some rest. Come with me. Come with me to a quiet place. By yourselves and get some rest. Some of us have got to learn that. I've got to learn it. I found the last few days I've done my hibernating thing where I locked myself in my house and refused to see anyone and just been, but do you know what? It's been a, oh, right, I need to, I need to do this. I need to write this. I need to, oh, oh, we need to check this. And it's like, what's going on? Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And the key to that is to understand that the future and the universe do not depend on me. 
and the future and the universe do not depend on you. That he's in charge. It's about him. And we can rest in him. William Carey, he once said, I'm not afraid of failure. I'm afraid of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Oh my word. That's a, that's a good thing to be afraid of. Nick Fox, uh, when he was speaking here at an actually supernatural winter conference, he said, do you remember, he said, the kingdom belongs to those who show up. And I love that. Sometimes it's about showing up. Sometimes it's about getting going for the next round. If Andy was preaching this, I'm sure he'd have an illustration from one of the Rocky movies. But I've never watched the Rocky movies because I grew up. Um, (laughs) Listen to this. A guy called Mark Batterson said, Failure is the fertilizer that grows character. And character sustains success so it doesn't backfire. Character sustains success so it doesn't backfire. And here's the final, here's the final reason. We need to remember, whatever situation we're in, that it's not the end. That we have the book, and if you turn to the back of the book, as someone once said, you find out Jesus wins, and we win with him. And that, that's what kept the slaves going Uh, in the American South. Uh, uh, They would sing songs of freedom. They would sing songs of heaven. That's what kept persecuted Christians going down the centuries, looking to the end. The end is good. The end is him. The end, in the end, it's going to be all right. And how do we do that? We need to remind ourselves of that. Um, I remember, and I promise I finish with this illustration. I remember in 1999, uh, it was the European Champions League final. Uh, Manchester United were playing Bayern Munich at the Barcelona Stadium. And uh, everyone else went to the pub to watch it. I couldn't. I couldn't bear to watch it. It mattered too much. I sat on my own, the introvert, on my knees in front of the TV and I watched it and Bayern Munich went 1-0 up and they could have been 3-0 up they hit the woodwork twice and they were frankly playing better and then we got to like the final minute it was the final minute and uh, Alec Ferguson brought uh, Teddy Sheringham on and it was the final minute and they got a corner And David Beckham went to take the corner. And I remember the commentator, Clive Tilsley. Aren't I sad? I even remember the the commentator's name. Um, He said, can United score? And then he said, they always score. And then the cross went over. And it it got to, um, I've forgotten his name now. I just said his name. Teddy Sheringham. And it went into the net and it was one all. And it was time added on. And then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came on. And it was literally, literally, 
everyone thought it was going to go to time added on. And uh, he stuck his leg out. He stuck his leg out. And the ball went in the net. And the place went crazy. Now, do you know, I watched that game. And I was sweating. And I was miserable. And I was in agony. And I was thinking, why am I doing this to myself? I am shortening my life. (laughs) And then we won. I have now, I've I've got the DVD. I've, I've, I've now, whenever I'm sad, whenever things have gone wrong at church, which is every week, no, no, it's a joke. Whenever I'm sad, I wanted to cheer myself up. I either pray or I put on the DVD. And do you know, I watch it and it's the same game. Bayern Munich go one nil up. They hit the woodwork twice they're all over us we are losing badly it is seconds left but am I on tender hooks am I no I'm sitting back with a glass of Chateau Neuf de Pape (laughs) ha 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 we're one nil down oh they think they've done us oh they think oh here we go because you see I know how it ends. Do you really know how it ends? We win. He wins. And we win because we are in him. That's what keeps us going. That's why we persevere. So many times people have missed the prize because they gave up. When they just, perseverance is an act of faith. It's an act of trust. And it's an act of love. I am not saying for a second it is easy. I am saying it is worthwhile.